0: This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music.
1: Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast, Working Drummer. Today, my guest is drummer, producer, composer, and educator, Josh Day. In 2004, Josh landed a gig with singer-songwriter, Sarah Borales. And over the next 10 years, Josh had the opportunity to tour the world multiple times, and perform on television a countless number of times. While opening up for Sugarland on one of their last tours in 2012, Josh met Jennifer Nettles, one of Sugarland's lead vocalists. This led to his next major gig as drummer and background vocalist for Jennifer, which led to another round of major tours and television performances. When not touring, Josh spends his time in the recording and production studio where he writes and records songs for film and TV and also teaches. Most recently, Josh spent a considerable amount of time recording and performing with John Oates of Holland Oates, where he is a member of John Oates and the Good Road Band, Other credits include working with songwriter Brandi Clark. And Josh is also a member of the Contenders, an original duo project with singer-songwriter guitarist Jay Nash. This episode is sponsored by Shure Microphones. Shure and Focusrite have combined forces, and they are bringing you the Drummer Bundle track pack for $899. Normally $974, you save $75 with this sale. It comes with a Focusrite Scarlett 18i20 USB audio interface. This is the same interface that my co-host Zach Albetta has, and he's got some great sounds from it. He also has the drum microphone kit, the DMK5752 drum microphone kit that we offered before Christmas. This has three SM57s and a Beta 52 kick drum microphone industry standards, all with mounting brackets, and four XLR cables, and a carrying case. So check this out, the Drummer Bundle Track Pack from Shore for $8.99. This episode is sponsored in part by Air Gigs. We have a seven-part interview that is on our Patreon page, and for little less than a dollar a month, you can become a patron of the Working Drummer Podcast Patreon page, patreon.com slash working drummer, and you have access to all the educational material that we have on there. We have videos, PDFs donated by many of our former guests. Most recently, we have the seven-part interview with AirGigs CEO, David Blacker, and it gives us some great strategies and insight on how to be successful with the platform AirGigs. I know a lot of us are recording from home and are always looking for more clients so you can have access to this. On this episode, we'd like to share with you part three of that interview with David Blacker
2: in any kind of gig, whether it's live or in the studio or whatever, I mean, this this business is built on relationships. It's not just about the product you deliver. It's about how you make people feel in the process. Um, And it it sounds like that holds true for air gigs. But what I'm finding is that that takes a little more effort. Um, On a virtual platform with someone you're not on the same, you know, you're not in the same room with you're not even on the phone with you're mostly just communicating via via text or email, basically, and to kind of make someone feel at ease and good about working with you takes a little more sort of finesse in what you write and, and how you put things. Cause things can often be misconstrued if you're just reading it, you know? So, um, I found, I found myself, uh, just kind of like going a little extra mile as far as what I'm writing to these people, how I'm communicating with them. Um, and it, it seems to be paying off.
3: It does. It really does. You know, I sat down with, um, Luke O'Kelly, who's a Drummer on the platform, also also part of our team, great, you know, great guy, great drummer. And you know, we're just talking to him because he he had a lot of success on it. And he's a really smart guy. And, you know, I asked, you know, what were some of the things, you know, in preparation for this this call, well, you know, what were some of the things that were useful to you starting out? And, you know, he said some things that are really straightforward, but a a lot of times they get kind of overlooked which was, you know, starting with just having a really positive, engaged attitude, you know, like there's, you know, when a client is coming to you with their song, you know, it's kind of their baby and like, you know, they're, they're, and sometimes you might be that first point of contact, you know, with this song, like they haven't Mm -hmm. shared it with it, you know, and, and so whether you like the song or not, you know, you can kind of, you know, this is not to say you should work on songs you don't like or whatever. You obviously can make those those choices, but if you feel like, hey, this is somebody I might like to work with, you know, y- reflecting back to them that you kind of get what where they're going, you appreciate it, you're, you're digging where where it's coming from, even if it's not quite your thing, but you can kind of see what they're what they're going for. That that you know means a ton. And Luke was kind of saying that, you know, he would often check back with clients when the song would hit the mixing phase or whatever to, you know, really be engaged and like, let me know how the song turns out. I'd love to, you know, um, I'd love to hear the, f- the finished product, you know, and please provide, you know, any, f- any, he was, you know, request, you know, feedback and stuff like that. And he would do right. occasionally, like one really important thing to, to remember too, is that, there are one-off clients and then there are repeat clients. And obviously, you know, we're all after repeat clients because those are the ones who are going to do two albums of work with you versus a hit here or a hit there, you know? And mm-hmm. so Luke was saying, you know, with those clients who were, you know, there was a really good vibe and they were working together, he would throw a little value added, like if he had a little loop, you know, created a little loop package or or added a little something extra to the gig to kind of really let the, you know, I'm not, this is everyone's choice, but it kind of was an interesting thing to hear because it was a way of him sort of adding a little more value to the, to the arrangement, you know, and he said it went a long way. So I thought those were, you know, some really good
1: tips. That's awesome. Especially like when you're doing drum set and then percussion, you could say, well, look, this is my price price. For a drum set, if you want percussion, we can add this on. And if you're looking, like, hey, we're looking to do a whole record, we're looking to do a couple records, you know, then maybe that could be negotiated in that. Uh, and especially when you're trying to match someone's vision, being very patient and communicating is so important. Especially as a drummer, when you know, like, I'm an artist, I'm trying to create this thing, but it's not your
2: song, and you always have to keep that in right. mind. I like the idea of that, uh, that value-added thing, um, especially with, with percussion, because most of us just have percussion laying around, and, and even if it's not something they asked for, you know, if you lay your drum tracks down and then you, you throw them, a, you know, a tambourine on the verse and a shaker on the chorus, it took you 90 seconds to record, uh, you know, that's just like a little extra thing. And, and you can say, you know, use it or don't, but, but here, here you go right absolutely and one other thing he mentioned that i thought was interesting is is you
3: know you're going to get approached by experienced producers and then people who are just starting to experiment with uh self produ- producing themselves you know and so or producing mm-hmm. and working with session musicians so he you know he would say when he would be approached by those sort of beginner folks he would really try to find out like what stage of the production are you in right now like are is are all the tracks on this scratch recording final and i'm going to be playing to those tracks or are you going to be layering on top of me because if you're going to be layering on top of me maybe i'm going to play a little stricter to the click and you know um be 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 sort of the the rock you know and then but if if you know if everything else is finalized then maybe i'm going to flow a little bit more and you know with the instruments then be rigid with the click so to speak you know
1: such a great point and man what a great way to not waste time especially when someone is new to this or doesn't have a lot of experience playing to a click and you know it's like no this is it then you can turn that click off or turn it down and and move with that especially if you're trying to create a good vibe one thing about communication that i think is important for people to know is the great thing about Air Gigs is that it's international. The first yeah. client I ever had through Air Gigs was a duo in Germany. And so communication sometimes internationally can be tricky. And there's cultural things that have to be taken into account and in how you communicate. Um, you know, Musical styles aside, sometimes there's, there's ways to communicate that, um, that I think are important to keep in mind. Internationally, And at,
3: yeah, that that's a great point to
1: find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes we've done. You can find us at working net. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and iTunes where you can rate and review this podcast. We want to give a big shout out to all the people that participated in our giveaway contest for our 300th episode, including our three winners, Mike Malone, Ryan Greenblatt, and Joe Tomino. And thanks to all those that liked and shared and reposted that episode. We appreciate everyone's support and all the companies that were involved in that giveaway. We're hoping to do more in the future. In this conversation with Josh, we're going to cover some of his history. But I think from that, the takeaway is you'll find a lot of what he built over the course of his career came from a very natural and organic place. It came from building relationships with people and then just letting the music happen. So as we get into 2021 and try and figure out how we're going to kind of rebuild what we had before this or start something new, I have no doubt that someone like Josh is going to be okay. This conversation with Josh is a reminder of how important it is that people come first, in being successful in music. A good friend of the show and friend of mine personally, Lee Kelly, mentioned on social media that he told his wife the other day that he really misses playing. And without missing a beat, his young son came up to him and gave him a big hug and said, Dad, I miss playing with my friends too. And uh, I think that says a lot about where we're at and where we need to be. So, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Josh Day.
0: During this time, the downtime, it's like you know, um, I my whole thought was, do I spend same thing? Do I spend time practice trying to practice practicing playing and practicing the drums, or or do I you know have to carve out time? to actually learn more of the programs that I'm trying, that I'm, I see myself leaning towards on, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with whether they're, they're, plugins or, or, um, or hardware or whatever, just re- really starting to dig in a little deeper. And, and I've, I've had a chance to do both, which, which has been, you know, it's, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise because for so long, we're just on the road, go, 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 go. And I never really felt like I had time to practice. And and yeah. then you come up, come off the road and I'm like, I don't, I don't really want to practice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it was, um, it, you know, it, that, that made it, uh, it made it, uh, that, that part was challenging. Um, but I think, you know, this crazy time that we're living in has been, Has been a little bit of a blessing in disguise in that way of like, okay, especially I can spend time with my, spend time with my family and my kids and and then be able to, um, you know, I mean, I have to, I've I've been trying to stay more organized and give myself some time limits and a schedule because I'm, I'm so, it's so easy for me to just go down a rabbit hole. And the next thing I know, it's been five hours. You know, and I'm like, where's the, where did the day go? You know? Yeah. So, so I've, I've tried to do more of that and, and, and put myself on a schedule of, you know, you're, you're practicing from this time to this time. And I've been trying to write some and, and I've, you know, tried to give myself some writing time and some, you know, um, just engineering, learning, you know, just, just anything I can do to keep, keep moving forward. So, you know, so I'm so I'm not just kind of, you know, sitting here stagnant. <laughs> right. So <laughs> what
1: know? would be could 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 you kind of break it down a little bit? Like give us an example of okay, this is my week, this is what I want to do. Like what would be an ideal week and how would you organize that?
0: Well, you know, I and and I'm um, I need to practice. I need to practice what I what I preach more. I'll be honest. <laughs> pretend, <laughs> pretend
1: pretend like you're a pro at that. Okay.
0: There. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know if and it's and it really um, it really depends on on the week and the in the schedule with my my wife and if she's yeah. working from home and the and the kids and um, luckily my wife has, has been working full time and she's a nurse and she's worked full time and my oh. kids have actually been in daycare the whole time.
1: Oh my gosh, And. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's actually, you know, it's really, it's been up to me to, um, um, you know, m- drumming music has been a, a huge part of it, but it's also catching up on stuff that I haven't done at the house in years, <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. the honeydew list starts to get longer and longer. And, <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> in, a, in an ideal world, um, I would, you know, I'm up super early and, uh, much, very, very unlike the way I live on the road. Um, the, my, you know, my morning starts about five thirty or six here. And, wow. and, uh, and so when my family gets out the door, um, you know, I do my coffee and, and then a lot of times I will, um, I would go kind of go into, to pro tools mo- mode and work on, um, getting like just pre-recorded tracks and stuff that I've done and just trying to get the best sound, the most ideal sounds that I can, that I can get. Yeah. And, um, and, and try to give myself a, a project, you know, to, uh, you know, a little, at least a little bit of a goal. And if I don't have a specific goal, I'll give myself a time limit and, and try to say, okay, for the next hour, yeah, you need to do, you know, you can do this. Um, a lot of times I try to, 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 if I'm, if I'm feeling it, I try to write in the mornings. So I'll, I'll like just sit down at the piano and, and just, you know, turn on my phone and, and try to get stuff out in the piano or guitar or something and just try to get some ideas out. And I'm, I've been the worst at not finishing ideas, Mm. which is, it's frustrating. It frustrates Mm. me. And then I, and then, you know, I go back into my notes or whatever. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. That was actually something. And now I'm, (laughs) that's, that was three weeks ago and I could have, you know, could have finished that up. But anyway, I will say I've spent a little bit of time doing that. Um, I've been working, um, I've been a a lot of like percussion tracks from home. I've I've been lucky to be, to be working with a a few different people kind of all, all over. And so there's been a little steady work, which always keeps me motivated. You know?
1: Well, but you but you also brought up the idea of creating a project. Like it, it, a lot of times, we wait for an opportunity to that work ex- with a client, and then you're kind absolutely. of absolutely you're behind the eight ball. You haven't taken yeah. the time. Uh, we had our 300th, excuse me, our 300th episode a couple of weeks ago, and
0: congratulations, we, by the way, th- man. Thank you, that's, man. That's amazing.
1: Uh, it's it, <laughs> it's 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 nuts. Just as a side note, I. I couldn't do it without my co-host Zach Albetta, first of all, uh, awesome. and the support of of our listeners. And there, we've gotten into such a, just a routine that it kind ah. of just kind of goes on its own. But oh, it's uh, amazing one of the one of the features we had, uh, which is about home recording, because this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. And and Kip Allen uh, is was one of our former guests, and he mm-hmm. talks about spending time working on sounds during his practice, quote unquote, practice time. And I'm like, absolutely. And I'm one of those guys that like, I I'm a weirdo that I like to practice. I just like to go to town and and just and feel that endorphins running and just get sweaty in there. But it's not always the best use of time when life is happening. So right. How do you do what needs to be done for when the client calls?
0: Well, that's you know what that's that's a, I, I totally um, I totally agree with his his concept, and I, I would say that I use that as well because I'm always, almost to a fault, I'm always moving mics and mo- changing snare drums and moving, just make, trying to get wh- where in the room or where is where's the best sound for this you know this kind of this kind of song or this or whatever, and I and and set a template and be like okay. And maybe and take pictures of you know if I if I get to if I land into something if I if I you know kind of lock into something that I'm like okay I really love this yeah then I will then I will take a I will take a picture of exactly the way it's set up and make a template and whether and Pro Tools or and uh, console or or whatever to to just say okay this is. This was this, um, I've gotten obviously i've got I've actually gotten way better at doing that um, through this time through the through just being at home so much
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, but I can totally relate to just sitting down to practice and really focusing on sound
4: mm-hmm.
0: right and mm-hmm. and just know like you know if if something's not that there's something that's because it for one it needs to be inspiring. And, and I, and I try, and ideally at home, I'm trying to not, I don't want to go through a bunch of processing if I don't have to, you know, you, you want to make sure that the, that your instruments are, are, you know, are sounding good just as they are through, through nothing. And, and, um, and, and so you don't have to like juice them up and do all the, you know, crazy EQs and, and that sort of stuff to make them to make them sound you know, the way you'd like them. Now I do, I do enjoy enhancing, you know, those, I mean, I've got the go to plugins and the go to, you know, um, preamps and that sort of stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 do agree that I, that's, that's part of my practice routine. Um, or I try to keep it that way. Um, and, and, and we'll, we'll start working on stuff that I learned in school back in, you know, 2002, That I, have that have the books have been sitting on my, my shelving for a long time. And every now and then I'll pull out, you know, that the Gary Chester, a new breed or carry mm-hmm. to bring out one of these books. And, and then in some of the classes that I was going to, you know, took in school or private lessons or whatever, and kind of go back through there and realize, wow. Um, you used to be able to play this <laughs> you
1: know <laughs> yeah yeah it's really yeah. interesting that that whole thing and and what you learn in school and uh what works or what's needed in in the real world and and not that it's a dumbed down version of yourself or your skills it's a different set of skills absolutely uh, it, and and one complements the other and those that can combine the two are those super freaks but um, but I want to talk about that, but on, on note of your, just to kind of go back to this idea of taking a yeah. picture or saving a setting, you mentioned uh-huh. console. That's in Apollo for those that are running Apollo as an <laughs> interface. That's, that's kind of their onboard mixing thing. And I right. have a preset for podcasts. I have a preset for, um, you know, in, in one specific room, but Here's here's an idea, like, because we're doing a lot of recording remotely, you're not in the same room to discuss ideas and, and things with the songwriter, the producer, and sometimes you send off tracks, and they're like, it's really close, but we need something different on the bridge, do less of this, do more of that, and mm-hmm. so oftentimes... If it takes a couple of days for them to get back and I've done other tracks or I've moved symbols, or I've changed a snare drum or retuned it and they said, hey, can you just punch in and just do this yeah. thing here? I'm like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Which which symbols did I use? It, it,
0: exactly. I mean, that's the exact the exact reason that I, that I try to take pictures and and then take those pictures and label kind of what I would try to think, you know, try to label it as what I was doing, <laughs> you know, yeah. what I was, whatever, I mean, or the date or whatever, just so, just so I, I remember what the setup is. Cause you know, I have, I'll normally have two kits set. I've got a, a basement studio in my house and I've got, I usually try to keep two kits set up and then I've got like a percussion station. Yeah. Now everything is not mic'd up all the time cause I don't have that enough, enough mics in general. Uh-huh. So I'm moving things. And all, and of course, all the drums sound different, and the placements different. So it's you know, if I'm going from one kit to another, that's when it can get pretty tricky right. of, of trying to trying to match up sounds and and um and that sort of thing. But I try to keep everything just mic'd and ready to go. But there's and and kind of have my now that I've done it. Uh, quite a bit. I've got, I, 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 I can, I can kind of eye the placements pretty, pretty closely as to, as to, you know, as to what I had done in the past, but it's, um, it's so important. I, I, I'll tell you when I first learned that you can make a template in pro tools and, and, and even, you know, copy that template to your, your even, you know, um, plug in settings and all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I, I've been doing pro tools for probably six years or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, but I'm still learning. Like, I mean, I, it's just non, it's nonstop learning. And there's so many things that I'm like, Oh my gosh, this makes it so much easier. I yeah. wish I had learned this, you know, whatever it was. And, and, uh, but you can pull up the the template and it's all, it's all there exactly the way you left it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I can also, I'll have a different stair drum up and whatever EQ settings or whatever I have, set up for that, for that track doesn't work for that specific snare drum. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, Oh wait, what snare drum is that? <laughs> you know,
4: yeah, yeah. it's
0: just, it's just, it's, it's really, it's just, it's really important just to figure out a way to be as organized as possible and, and, the, and to make it the most efficient, you know, it's, that's, that's been probably my biggest lesson that I've learned in home recording is just trying to be as efficient as possible. Uh, but I think yeah.
1: part of it is time management because of other responsibilities. Oh. But I, oh. another, element, Absolutely. another element is the inspiration and striking when inspiration is there. Because we have to remember, we're first and foremost musicians and creatives. And, and so when you're asked to, to do a track, you're not only being asked to bring your skill set as a drummer and percussionist, but mm-hmm. as a musician and an artist to like interpret the song and bring in your idea to elevate this person's work. And
0: That's exactly right.
1: If you're messing with, you know, technology, then you're like, "Oh, now I have to play drums yeah. too." No. We've all it's been kinda, on Yeah.
0: It, yeah, just it takes you away yeah. from that from that creative focus. Right you know, and if something, something goes haywire and it's like, Hey, uh, you know, I don't, I can't, why is the kick drum mic not working? And you take a great pass and all of a sudden you realize the, the you know, oh mic my gosh, was in the, yes. and it's, you know, and, and it's so frustrating. Cause you're like, Oh, that was, that was actually good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I, I catch myself, um, you know, I really enjoy, the the like the tracks I enjoy tracking from home and I've and I've been able to do um, a bit more of it um, a lot more I would actually this year mm-hmm. but it's but I I you know I miss the the connection with um with actual human beings in a room and 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 sometimes you know when I'm behind the drums tracking something I just try to imagine. I even close my eyes and try to imagine that, you know, we're all together <laughs> and just, amazing. you kind of have to, you kind of have to vi- visualize, um, you know, what, what it, what it would look like, you know, if you were all, or what it would even feel like if you were all in a room. So, you know, reacting, it's all about listening and, and reacting to what uh, the other players may or, you know, may be doing. And, um, I think it's, you know, it's, it's, it's almost made the listening, element, um, uh, become a little bit more acute and this setting because be, be just because of, um, there's no other distractions, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's interesting. I've always think always, I've always thought that that is what the, the most important uh, listening is just the, you know, to be musical and, and give this, give the song what it needs no matter if you're playing live or just in the studio or or, or whatever it's like it's all about giving doing the making the song the best that it can be and the only way to do that is to make it a unit and 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 listen and i know it sounds it sounds elementary but it's just it's just the truth that your ears are you know making sure that you that you're not so focused on, Oh, I wish I got to play this paradiddle here. I, I want to do this lick. I, you know, that, that's, you know, that's really at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Like it, it's cool. It could be cool, but if it doesn't fit in the music and it's not, does not does it feel part of that musical equation? Then that's not going to do you any good. <laughs>
1: well <laughs> well and and that goes back to what we were discussing before this this bridge that sometimes we fail to make the connection from what we learn in school on a very academic level to mm-hmm. what is required in the real world absolutely um I, go ahead
0: well i was just going to say yeah feel free to cut me off any yeah, time no, you want cuz nope. i'm I, I just i will, I will just <laughs> jabber on away that um, <laughs> it just kind of jarred a thought um You know, I I actually went to I went to college for uh, music education and and so I went through the classical percussion department and and was playing some drum set. You know, I was playing I played drums at my, you know, since I was really young, but I, I went to, you know, played all the marimba and timpani and and all that stuff and and then studied a bunch of hand drumming. Yeah like world drumming, frame drum, all, all this stuff, which I, that's some of my, I'm, I'm almost most passionate about some of the weirdest hand drumming stuff. Um, but I decided, um, you know, at, after college, I just, the, the teaching thing doesn't, didn't feel right to me or not teaching in the public school system. And I was teaching lessons and I enjoy that. But the, all of that to say, I went out to school at Musicians Institute in LA and and I'd, I'd had four and a half years of music theory and I failed the theory, uh, the intro, the entrance exam. Really? And, yeah. And I'm like, cause I'm using the theory that I was taught in school, classical school and they use like it's, it's rock and roll theory, even like the national numbers kind of yeah. theory. Yeah. And, and I'm like, and, and me, I mean, you know, I came in at a, at a, I only did a year of school there, but I, I was, I'd already been in school forever. So I, I came in, was like, no, what I was like, let me take this again. And let me at least try to, to, um, uh, you know, figure out what the formula is between the two that I've been, you know, that I've been, uh, been learning for the last six years or whatever it was. And, and but it made it, it, you know, it made it to where I, I, went, I took it again and, and did it did fine. And I just realized, you know, there is definitely a lot of correlation, um, b- you know, uh, between that kind of schooling and and kind of rock and roll school or, or you know, that it, it, just more technical and not so much class. You're not you're not analyzing symphonies mm-hmm, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Um, but I will say that, you know, learning. Learning how to write my own charts, um, whether anybody else can read them or not. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it, it was so important because it came in handy so many times. Oh yeah, I mean, it was—it's unbelievable, you know. So,
1: yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, uh, go, going back to the listening thing, I want—I want to read a quote from uh, this—a great drummer. Uh, He says, uh, I believe that listening is actually the biggest lesson to learn in music and also in life. When we learn to listen, we can step outside of ourselves, our thoughts, and our preconceived ideas and only listen to whatever is around us. Music should be a conversation. It is knowing when to speak and when to respond. Mm -hmm. from a guy named josh day
0: i I was like that sounds familiar to me
1: (laughs) that's from you man
0: that's that's funny i was like yeah i I believe every word of this (laughs) i can get on board with this guy (laughs) yeah yeah i like this guy Um, no it's it's just true it's music is a conversation you know playing music in every situation is is a conversation and 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 you know as 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 kind of dumbed down as it sounds, it, it is the universal language. And that's, that's one of the mm-hmm. most beautiful things about it that, you know, you can travel all over the world and, and play music and everyone feels it differently. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. You know, I've been lucky enough to, to travel the world a few times and yeah. and it's just, it's really, it's amazing. You know, it's how music touches touches souls and it, and it doesn't really matter what language you speak. Was raised in north carolina and Mm -hmm. kind of the mountain and the foothills in north carolina uh, 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 amongst a lot of bluegrass and folk music and and um you know a lot of a lot of campfires and and people playing guitars and singing folk songs and um that sort of thing and and um fast forward to i'm in a cab in uh chicago and I, I'm always interested in, in talking to, to other people from with different you know ethnicities and, and backgrounds, mm-hmm. and
4: yeah. I'm just
0: always into. I want to know everybody's story, you know, and uh, and so I started talking to this um, the cab driver, and he happened to be from Ghana, and I had I've never been to West Africa, or, you know, I've never been to Africa. And it's it's still on my on my list, but I started talking to him, and I, I was like I was like man does everybody play drums you know yeah. and he's and he says he's like no you know and he's like he's like not 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 really he's like well you know we would have we would all kind of get together with our families and friends and and everybody's just beating on drums and we're just singing folk songs or, you know, around the campfire and and immediately i'm like man at least we, we both kind of had the realization of like we're this is we're like living in parallel universes here. It's like, yeah, I was like, we did the exact same thing. It just happened to be with bluegrass instruments yeah. and we're, everybody's eating food and, and, and singing songs. And, and I mean, he and I connected so, so much over that conversation that we got out and hugged. That's <laughs> you know? amazing. Was, yeah, I love that. Was, yeah. It was just, I mean, it was, it was, it was truly like, wow, we come from so it could, we could not be from <clears throat> more different um, places and, and still having that same kind of experience, you know. That's,
1: that's one thing about, you know, I moved down from Ohio to Nashville a little over 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the people and the friends that I made who grew up in the South and had the very, very similar experience to you mm-hmm. were some of my favorite musicians um, there is just this lineage of, you know, tradition that gets passed down, and music is just—it's it, just—it's a conversation. It's a social thing that and they experienced. You are
0: exactly right, and it's—it's it's something to me. Like, you know, I knew so many great musicians in in my town, and none of them wanted to do it professionally. They just, they just, and and most of them didn't think they were any good anyway, but it was like, <laughs> yeah, it, but it's, it's amazing. There's so many talented people yeah. and you know, the, the, the countryest of country and dudes just ripping on a banjo and I'm yeah. like, golly man, like <laughs> this yeah. is amazing, yeah. you know? And, um, I was lucky. I, I actually, um, got to, you know, I was playing with the, uh, some folks in um, from my hometown that, that, well, they're from, uh, Switzerland that moved to my hometown and, and Wilkesboro. And they, uh, they, I started playing some with them and they were friends with, with Doc Watson mm-hmm. and Doc And I lived in Boone, North Carolina for, um, eight and a half years. I didn't go to the school the whole time there, but I, I, I was, I lived in the town and, and, um, and Doc Watson was, um, he lived in a town called deep gap, which is, which is just outside of Boone. And, um, And I, and I used to go see him, uh, when I was in college, uh, he played at this place called Thompson seafood. It was a double wide trailer and just go eat popcorn shrimp and watch doc Watson play. And it was free.
1: Wow. You know, and
0: yeah, and it was, you know, and, and at that point, sure. We're all, we all knew that doc is the man. I didn't know what, how, what a huge influence he had on folk music in the world, you know? (laughs) And then. And then, um, you know, I was playing some with my, with my friends, the Kruger brothers and, and they, they, we ended up doing some show, a couple of different shows with doc and, and I had a chance to play with him. And it was like, I can't, I can't believe this is actually happening. <laughs> you know, it's, it was just really, um, really special. And, and, you know, I, I, my town was a you know NASCAR town when I was growing up and then, um, they started when when merle watson um um doc's son passed away he uh he started this festival called merle fest and that was in 1988 and it's still going today yeah um so it was just you know it was just i feel like there's i always say there's something in the water or you know, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just like um, the, the gravitational pull of, of music around there was just very deep rooted, you know, I'm so it's kind of, it, it's, sorry, it's, I was yeah. just going to say it's funny to me because I was a drummer and I was just around like lots of bluegrass and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm a traditionalist with bluegrass too. There's no blue, there's no drums in bluegrass. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it it was, um, it was nice to see things start to um, start to expand a little bit in the percussion world to where you can, you're making room for, you know, making room for percussion and, and drums in, in the, in the genre, you know?
1: But but, but, the elements of groove and time and 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 pocket and all these things I mean, to watch people just do that no matter what instrument it is 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 really amazing and fascinating, yeah. so much to take away from
0: absolutely I mean it's you talk about pocket mm-hmm. and that pocket might be it you know. Two twenty beats per minute, <laughs> but but they're it's just like they're flying down the tracks, but the pocket is really deep. <laughs> well, a, a, a <laughs> you know? lot of people,
1: a lot of people think of bluegrass. They think of just fast picking, right? Uh, but you know, and, and then there's the, the the adage, you know, the idea of when you're playing fast, think slow. You know, uh-huh. one, two, three. yeah. Exactly. That. Or when you're playing yep. slow, think fast, you know, and and, yep. and and that kind of thing. But when I've seen bluegrass groups and they're counting off a song and how everyone is playing so well in time, I, as a drummer, I'm like, okay, that count off was amazing. Yeah. Everyone knew yep. where the time was and they came in strong. And yep, I'm taking that yeah. with me to the gig.
0: Yeah. it's just, And it's just driving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like you don't and lots especially with all the, the 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 pro guys you don't hear you don't hear a lot of um a lot of warble warble in the and the tempo. You know what I'm saying like it's no. it sits there. I mean, I, there a lot of times I'm like I bet you could just put a click on this and <laughs> they're just like, mm, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just nailing it right on it, you
1: know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's 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 really amazing.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, how
1: that knowing that history about you but and then also knowing the people that you played with over the last, you know, 15 16 years yeah. Um, you know, I know that John Oates is doing some more traditional sounding music in that Absolutely. genre, but, um, you know, Sarah Bareilles, Brandy yeah. Clark, um, you know, probably Jennifer Nettles to a degree. It's not that as much. And no, how has that served you playing wise? You
0: know, I'll tell you, it, it's, it's, um, I I love it. I, I've I've been really really lucky to be able to to play with so many talented people, and and I and I really enjoy um, just wearing the different different hats, if you will. You know, yeah. I I'm. It's all again. It comes back to just being about the music and serving the music, um, and what what is what what will serve the music best. I, I would I would never you know being a country boy from a small town in North Carolina would never really think of myself as being playing with a pop star around the world, you know, but when I, when I first met with Sarah, um, you know, we, we became family quickly and, and her, her music is, is very, as as popular as it is. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just, it's, it's rooted in, and that, and just, um, like in, in, blues and soul and, you know, all of this kind of its roots music. Um, and, and no matter how, how, you know, she's had a, a number of albums now that were, that have been majorly successful and, and produced to the tilt and, mm-hmm. and, and beautiful. Um, but at the end of the day, it was, it was, to me, it was still, um, Still, a, kind of rootsy, <laughs> you know.
4: Yeah,
0: and and I, I and and I honestly feel like she she she's still a very dear friend to me. I, we 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 talk a lot, and and uh, she sang at my wedding. I mean, she's like my sister. Oh my gosh! And we we spent we spent ten years on the road together, mm-hmm. and um had you know got to travel the world, and and but she um I I feel like you know I don't really I don't like comparing her to people, but I. For the longest time, I was—I always said that she's. I feel like she's our our days like female Billy Joel.
4: Mm, you okay. know, she yeah.
0: she has this is and this is kind of before she she did the um with the the uh, Broadway uh, the, the waitress, waitress uh-huh. and yeah and that that sort of stuff. She always had that, but um, but it was um <clears throat> that I felt like that uh we were all young and all learning a lot. And, and anytime we would go out and do a tour, I was always just, just wanting to learn, you know, how, how can I be better? How can I more, ser, be more, you know, serve the music better. Um, and, and also, you know, it's it in, in those situations, it's, it's not just about the playing, you know, the playing, obviously you have to be able to play.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, but it's 90% of your time, spent is, is not on stage. yeah. So it really comes down to your, your relationships and, and your, and the way to relate to people and, and, and being respectful. And, you know, it just comes down to the, just the human element is so important. Um, that, you know, I'd, I'd see many people who would come in and, you know, be, be on their high horse and, they wouldn't last because you can't, you know, it's hard to live with somebody like that. (laughs) Right. Right. And, you know, you're in close quarters and not so much in her camp, but you're in, you're in close quarters and, and, um, you know, it's, if you're, if you're not, if you're not feeling like, um, if you're not going to be a team player, then it's, it's really hard to, 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 to stay in that, in that, in that kind of camp. And, And I've just, I've been lucky that like that, 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 Touring experience for me, that they're family and they they always will be, and I've been lucky to be in that situation. Even with 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 Jennifer, with Nettles, mm-hmm. that's it's a very. I feel the same way there. They're they're d- dear friends and and family, and obviously the music was was what we were was the reason we were there. um But the relationships grew so much deeper than the music you know
1: well I you know for the record a lot of people know this about me but I'm a huge Sarahrows fan um, <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it, I I listened to all all her records on mm-hmm. you know, pretty consistent rotation <laughs> um, you know' been a fan of uh, I think the one element about her that that struck me a couple of years ago was like her vocal phrasing and the syncopation is so groovy it kills me oh, oh yeah. You know, and
0: effortless, it's effortless. And she, I mean, she wrote, she wrote, she was writing songs at such a, such a young age. She wrote like that song Gravity, which used mm-hmm. to just bring down the house. She wrote it when she was like 16, Man. you know, and, and it's, you and it's still, it's still, you know, such a, it's just an amazing song. And she's had, she never really had for, really formal training um, and she used to always say, I want to know, like we'd be in rehearsal and she's like, what's, what, is, what's this chord, you know? <laughs> and the drummer and, would and, say,
1: Oh, let me tell you, uh, let me do that. You
0: know, I think it's, uh, is that a, is that a, I think it's an F sharp minor with a major seven or, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but we had, you know, we had some music nerds in the band and, and, <laughs> and then, but it got to where, you know, Sarah's like, I just want to know, she's like, I, I don't know what I'm playing half the time. I just know how it makes me feel.
1: You should give you know, her the wrong and, information.
0: Yeah, oh, that's, well,
1: that's a G um, yeah, vacillor, yeah. uh
0: What? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She 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 would see right through any of that stuff. But <laughs> uh, but she, you know, back in the day, it was it was funny because it, it it just showed how you know she didn't have all of that knowledge about what what this chord actually is. Yeah. But she knew how it made her feel and kind of what color she was going for. And I mean. I think probably probably now she knows I know she knows more about the, the actual theory behind it but I'm kind of glad she didn't you know it was oh, like yeah. it's just such a beautiful natural thing that's um it's just uh it's it's just beautiful she's just a natural natural talent and, well uh, when I was a dear in, human I went
1: I went to school of the arts in in high school and when we were learning theory our teacher was saying folks remember theory is helping you answer questions that you have when you're writing you're creating it isn't it isn't this isn't music this is just ink on paper you that's,
0: know yeah, that's exactly right yeah and,
1: and so and then when I was in school when I was in college and I was studying music I was in bands with people that weren't learning theory and were doing very similar things to like what Sarah was doing and mm-hmm. I always had my foot in that world and so when I was surrounded by, Academia and people thought, well, you have to be able to do this and this and this and this, but they weren't putting out anything worth worth you know any substantive um, music or anything Mm -hmm. cool or creative. I'm like. Guys, this is all still academics, and mm-hmm. it, it, it again. I think we keep going back to that. You know, you you got your books, you've got you know understanding how to work a paradiddle around a kit. But when it comes down to it, you still have to make music. You know, these are tools to get to give you the skill set to be able to play what you're thinking and how you're reacting uh, through listening and that conversation thing that you talk about.
0: Well, and that's exactly right. And I, I think you know, I was going when I went to school. I felt like I was a, I was a decent drummer, and then when I got there, I felt like they, they just, just ripped the foundation, ripped it all down to the foundation. We're like, okay, let's just re teach you how to play the drums, mm, mm. you know? And then I was like, I don't, you know, my, my thought about going to school, a school like that was, I was like, I don't want to sound like everybody else. Yeah. I don't want all of us, you know, are we all going to be robots and sound, you know we're playing the same stuff. And it was, you know, I think that is a common kind of misconception because, you know, I, I, my, my, I went in there, I went into, to, to, to like PIT, like older after college. And and had a little bit different perspective on it, but realized that oh no, I'm I'm me, and I'm always going to sound like me. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can you can have so many influences and try to try to sound like Steve Gadd and try to sound like Jim Keltner and Jay Bellrose and all you know like you do it. That's that's what we all strive to do, but they already exist. So (laughs) let's just let you know let there's only one you. So let's just, let's focus on, on that. And it took me a long time to, to kind of, kind of swallow that pill. Um, but one thing that I, that I loved about the school was that you just kind of take, take things that you can use or that resonate with you and you put them in your bag Mm -hmm. and you, and you, and you, and you, you pick up this from this person from this teacher and, and this class, and then your friends are doing this and kind of help keep you motivated. and, yeah, I had to go through double bass drumming class, and I thought, man, I'm I'm never going to use this, <laughs> but 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 it was. I'm glad that I took the class, and and I can, you know, every every bit of education there, I thought was 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 good, just for the yeah. for the overall music, yeah. you know, your your my whole musical career. So, um, but it's. It, I think the 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 point that that I'm trying to make here is that you want to. In school, it was practice, 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 practice. Get, you know, learn all the, learn these linear, the way this, these linear grooves fill, learn how, um, you know, learn how to do all these different fills and and, 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 just push yourself and push yourself. And, and then when you get to a gig, you just let it go, forget that stuff.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, then, and then naturally it will start to come out in your playing. You know, you kind of have to, you, you can't, you know, sit there and as you were saying, you can't sit there and analyze and be like, okay, here, I'm going to do this paradiddle feel. Here it comes. I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not like that. You just, you get, you kind of let a little, let all of that stuff go. And then, um, it would naturally start appearing in your, in, in your playing. Um, which is which you know, and it's hard to see that for yourself because, you know, you don't see the progression in yourself. A lot of the time <laughs> it takes somebody else being like, Oh dude, sounds great. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you
1: yeah. <know>? yeah. <clears throat> well, a lot of times when you have this preconceived, like fill or, you know, idea and you're like waiting for it, and okay, I'm going to throw this in there. It sounds like a square peg in a round hole. It comes yeah, out that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, um, to, to, to kind of uh, accentuate this point a little bit, I, I have an, a one more quote and, and I'm going to give it away. This is from your Gretsch, artist profile. Advice to aspiring musicians. Uh, My advice to aspiring musicians is to make sure to be you. It's great to have influences, but know they just help shape who we really are.
0: Hmm. So. I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. and it's I have, funny. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I obviously I did say that, but it's it's funny. I, I have little. This that was a long time ago, and it's, I've had a little. I had a little recollection recollection of saying that, but it definitely is it, exactly what I said because that's that's what I truly believe.
1: Well, you, know? you must because you're 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 still preaching it. Now. Still preaching
0: it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. For sure.
1: I do yeah. have a, I do have an, a question related to this uh, sure. in, in working with Sarah. But before we go too much further, I want to thank Mike Zimmerman for connecting us.
0: Absolutely. Oh, Mikey, I I love that guy. He mentioned, you know, I I was I was helping him over uh, at his studio, um, just building just, you know, just he's he and I have become really, really tight friends. And he's like, man, I just did the Working Drummer podcast. I'm like, oh, man, I love that podcast. He's like, you should do that. Yeah. And he's like, I'll, he's like, I'll pass on your information. I'm like, great. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I appreciate so, him. Yeah, yeah, I'm really glad he did. Yeah, I appreciate that, too. Yeah. Thank you, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, another it, it was it was the fun thing about talking with Mike as 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 I've discovered with so many guests is like. We had, we had so much in common, w- woodworking, being from Ohio, um, just oh, yeah. all these like crazy things and some of the <laughs> same bands that we played in and different things uh-huh. like that. It's so funny when that, that, that stuff happens, you know.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, amazing. The, the
1: small incestuous community that Nashville is and it mm-hmm. has become, you know, or the music industry in general. Um, Absolutely. So go, going, staying kind of with this theme of like being yourself and... and mm-hmm when with when working with Sarah and I know you you have some writing credits and and singing credits with with her mm-hmm. um was there any drumming uh, do there was some live drumming and and some stuff that uh you're credited with was there anything in the studio with that as well well
0: you know what I, so this is this was a um this is a huge, huge okay i started playing with her before, right before she got signed. Um, so before that first record and we had put out a, I had, I met her, um, gosh, I guess it was like 2002, maybe 2003. And, and she had, she won, um, she won a, like a songwriting or talent competition, songwriting competition at UCLA. And, and she got some studio time. And so we just, we, I, I kind of helped, I feel like I, I helped put a few of the guys together and she had some guys already that she, she used. And we, this is fairly, fairly soon after I met her, we went in and recorded, um, uh, golly cause called careful confessions. Okay. And it was a record that was, that was, I think she actually released it, but it wasn't a major release. Um, so, So when it came to, um, little voice, when, when that, um, when that record came out, her big, the big record with love song and, Mm -hmm. and all of that, um, you know, we had already been playing together for a long time and, and, uh, and I just assumed, I guess that we would all just play on the record. Yeah. This is also, this is also my, I was very naive and, and I, I didn't know, I didn't realize, I didn't know at that point how the business really worked and um, and so it was it was a hard- very hard pill to swallow to find out that, oh yeah no we're no we're Matt Chamberlain is playing drums, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh well i mean i I love matt Chamberlain, <laughs> you know <laughs> and and uh but but it was you know i I'll tell you i the thing that was um that was really it was eye opening to me to see how that process happens and why a producer will say, you know what, I, you know, I, I know if I, if I, if I call these guys, this time is money. And I know that this will, they will knock this thing out of the park. And, and the thought of mine was like, yeah, but we, we have a thing and we've been playing these songs Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. you know, but, but the, but honestly, the thing that we had, was, is a, is a different thing than what, than a record. And we, you know, we, yes, we did have this unit, but there was, there's just a different vision for the record. And, and I, and I obviously I've realized that very quickly. Um, well, maybe not so quickly, but, but over the years, I've definitely, definitely realized that, that it's just a different journey. A, a lot of times a record, the live thing is not, is not most of the time you're not trying to play the record, just like the record, you know,
4: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, playing the live show, just like the record. But I say that to say that we we recorded Gravity on that um, on that Careful Confessions record and and um, Sarah invited me to come to the studio when they were recording Little Voice and I walk in and Matt Chamberlain is playing they're playing he's playing that the same groove that I had played on Careful Confessions on mm-hmm. the song Gravity and I'm like oh <laughs> I'm yeah, like oh yeah. you know and it was it was that was hard it was a hard pill to swallow. Um, but at the same time, I like it, I, it opened my eyes to how things worked and, and, uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, they end up taking the drums off that song for the record anyway. And it, you know, so did, that didn't, didn't matter in the, at, at all and still doesn't to this day, but it, it opened my eyes to, to the level of, um, the level of professionalism and, and expertise and, and somebody who had spent, um, at, you know, spent many, many, many hours in the studio and could come in and be, be very musical. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, and, and I know that I, I wasn't a terrible drummer by any means, but the producers will, will, they want to call the, the A team in and knock out a record. And, and it makes, you know, and now I've, I've produced stuff, um, since and have had to do the same thing. And so it, it, I, it just, that was a little bit of a hard pill for me to swallow, but, but I will say that Sarah has always been, you know, she's always been, she wanted us to sing on the record. She's like, she's wanted us to be involved in any way we could mm-hmm. that she could, that, you know, and, 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 you know, even, even when the, the song, we wrote a song together called Carolina and, and the way she went about doing this was she'd sent the, the four of us in the, in the band, an email, and said hey i want you to write just write stream of consciousness write about where you're from what write about w- whatever you want and um, and just give it to me give give me your stream of consciousness by the end you know by the end of the day mm. and and it kind of out of the blue and then the next morning she sends us the demo of the song called carolina mm-hmm. and 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 she's like here's the song we wrote oh my gosh and great I mean, song and it was and it, it is it's a great song and yeah. I, you know the the the, the I feel like that song didn't get a lot of love because it was actually, they released it as a, as a pre download for the release of the record. And, you know, it, it wasn't really, I don't know that it, it's on like the Korean version of the record. And it, I, I don't know, but it's, it is a, it's a fantastic song. And, you know, we, I just thought that was, it was a, it was a huge tip of the hat for her to be like, Hey, let's, let's, let's do it this way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and she, you know, she, for the longest time, she would never co-write. She just she had all of these things in in her mind, and 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 kind of knew what she wanted, and knew the vision that she, that she wanted, and, and and in all honesty, she didn't need need a co-writer on a lot of that stuff. She's like, this is just, you know, I I, I already. I already, I I know I already know what the whole thing is going to sound like, and and you know, it's she she has since obviously co written quite a bit throughout the years, but in the early days she's just trying to get everything out that she uh, that she had, you know, she's had a lot a lot of a lot of songs in there that she's just trying to trying to get out, so.
1: Yeah, she and, and just seeing her on stage and the way she interacts with the audience and the band and stuff like that, she just seems yeah. like just a really down to earth, cool person, and just um, makes um, me a bigger fan. When I when I get to see the personality of some of you know of, of the musicians that I like, and then I get to see them be who they are, I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. E- either either I'm like now I'm a bigger fan or. I'm like, yeah. I wish I yeah. wouldn't have seen that person.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I know. And and I'll, I'll say that I was going to say this early on, but I, you were saying what a huge fan of hers um, you are. And I was like, if you if you were to meet her, you would you would be a 10 times to- 10 times the fan. Yeah. Yeah. OK, you know I mean, she's OK, Josh. She,
1: that sounds great. Well, what, what <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm free anytime.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, I, I, I do, I do have a chance to, you know, we, we chat a lot and she's come to Nashville a number of times. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, she was here, uh, before the pandemic and we, we hung and we, we went to breakfast with my fam with my kids and, and, and we went, this is kind of a funny story, but we went to eat pancakes and, uh, pancake and so pantry my, maybe. No, we actually no. I live over in Donaldson. We were okay. over at uh, first watch or something. Yeah. And, and she, uh, and, So my son always calls calls her Sarah Pancakes and, (laughs) and, and it was just, just became the thing, you know? And then, and then, you know, we did a thing um, a few months ago up in New York and for Stephen Colbert show. And, 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 and Arlo, my, my almost five-year-old was like, he's like, Oh, you're with Sarah Pancakes. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, we're, we're doing this thing for a TV show and he's not, doesn't really quite get it. And then, uh, and then we saw her doing that, um, doing that performance with, uh, uh, with, with uh, Steve Jordan and Michelle and Denny Gocello and mm. and uh, John Batiste, and it was, I mean, it's just incredible performance. And and my son sees it, he's like, "That's Sarah Pancakes," and I was like, <laughs> "I was like, yeah." He's like, "He's like, what is she?" And I was like, I was like, buddy, a lot of people know Sarah Pancakes. They don't know her as Sarah Pancakes, but yeah, they don't yeah. know her like you do. And he, he's just like, that's just that's Sarah, you know. She's, <laughs> she, she's our amazing. friend. Amazing. But it's yeah, it's really, um, it's really funny. And then my 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 kids are always like, Daddy, do you know them? Every time that there's anybody, any musician, yeah. on, they're like, is that your friend? Is that like, your friend? is that your friend? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, some of the times yes, and a lot of the times no. But a lot of times, um,
4: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's just, uh, it's just funny to to the, the the point of all of that is that yes, she is very down to earth and she is like my sister. We spent we spent years in a van together and sharing hotel rooms, and you know she's she's the best, and yeah. she to this day we we she's she's my sister. The thing that that i i kept that I kept coming back to about not being on the record was well, at least they called Matt Chamberlain, you know, <laughs> and, and it was and, and and I mean it's like one of my favorite of all time, yeah, and, yeah, and uh and so so yeah, I, I tried to emulate as much as I could, and Sarah wasn't she she gave she gave us free reign. She's like, let's we'll make it ours. Yeah, I want it to she didn't want the live show to be, to sound just like the record, Mm -hmm. but she, she, so she, we, we, she would give, you know, we, obviously we were, we were, we want to do the songs, you know, do the songs justice. Um, She wasn't so concerned about making it sound just like the record. Um, And there's some songs I would definitely say that that um, by doing that, by touring with her um, of course, I'm trying to, I went down the the Matt Chamberlain rabbit hole for a very long time and, and tried to emulate in my best and my, and my best way. Um, some of his kind of feel, um, it's just, you know, there's only one Matt Chamberlain and there's so many times I'm like, I, I can't do that. I I can't sound like that, but I will, I will do, I will do my part. Um, it's going to be me, um, that it was very heavily influenced by Matt Chamberlain, (laughs) you know? And, and so there was, um, I would say there was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of, that was, it was good for me to, that's like a, that's like a direct schooling, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of like, I want to, I want to, I want to to copy as much as I can, but then, and then just make it mine. And that's exactly what Sarah wanted.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You still sounded like you, you still, the, the, the audience were, were still getting that thing. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know what I thought, and I really think it was, you know, that, that band, we stayed together for so long. It, It just, we, we had something special and it was, uh, and the live thing was really special. And I, and I'll say I got, um, we, we did, um, one of the live things that I did with her, we did live at the Fillmore, which which turned into a DVD and and um and they they you know sold that as an audio um disc as well, but after that that live at the Fillmore came out, um Matt actually emailed me, mm. and and said, hey man, I just saw just saw the live at the Fillmore. You sound fantastic. Oh, and I'm like, it's kind of like what really Matt <laughs> like Matt Trimble is emailing me telling me I sound great. I'm, like, I'm you know it was just I. I'm, for one, I'm thinking, man, you don't have, you don't, you don't have to say that. <laughs> but he's, that's not who he is. If you've ever met him, he's not that. He, that's not the, you know, that's not who he is at all. I, I just thought that was uh that made me feel so, so good that that you know he, he saw it and was like, yeah, man, that's. He's like, I'm that was, it was just fantastic
1: that's amazing so that, yeah yeah it was yeah. really really cool <clears throat> yeah matt's an um, inter- and matt's an interesting cat i had a chance to tech for him on his the very first drum quote-unquote drum clinic he ever did uh-huh. um and it was just he just was a kind of a quiet but i mean this is like he was on tour with Tori amos back in the, mm-hmm. in the 90s and stuff like that mm-hmm. um uh,
0: well, I'll say yeah. something about him. Oh, sorry. You go, go no, ahead. No, that guys. was it.
1: That was it. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so you know he is he's a he's a just a different cat altogether. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I got to know him more and more because we did that like the Lilith Fair reunion. Oh, cool. Um, the, the kind of the second the second round of Lilith Fair, and mm-hmm. I don't I can't even remember when that was. Uh, oh uh, eight or something maybe. Um. But the funny thing about it was, you know, it's like, um, so many female artists are playing on this, on this tour and, and Sarah McLaughlin was the, was the headliner and he was on the road, he was out with her. Right. And, and then, you know, it's like, um, uh, Ingrid Michaelson yeah. and, um, I mean, the Indigo Girls, and and there's just there was just tons and tons of artists, and it's it was really funny because I think you know seventy percent of the artists that were on the shows that we were doing, Matt had played on the record, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, and 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 so it was actually. I, it was actually really funny because all, all the drummers were like standing watching Matt play or like, Oh man, you know, like all kind of getting together. Like, yep, yep. He played on, he played on her record. He played yeah. on her record. and um, But the cool thing about it was we all got to, you know, we, we that tour was, was fairly long and, and we all got to know each other and, 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 and hang um, quite a bit. And at the end of the night, uh, the big encore, Matt just invited everybody to come up um, behind all the drummers to come up behind the drums. And I mean, everybody comes out on stage, right? Everybody from the tour. And, uh, and he, he was all about just bringing everybody up and grabbing shakers and and tambourines and all this stuff. And, and the whole time it, it was like, uh, we were, it became a joke because we, we would, we would yell out a drummer's name and 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 try to get and, and try to get him to play a fill in the style of uh, you know whether it's john Bonham, oh my gosh or, you know like or what and it was it was amazing we kept, it kept it is happening like every night you can hear you know i love just that call, calling out calling out drummers and he'd, he'd, he'd do a fill You're like yeah
1: <laughs> oh gosh that would be yeah. i would love to see yeah. that that's that's such yeah. a trip man
0: In a hurry and no time left to when I met John, I was just doing, I was doing some percussion stuff with him and, and he was, I, I didn't, I, I mean, obviously I knew who he was, mm-hmm. but he was, he was really, um, he wanted to, to do a record of, um, of like, uh, Mississippi John Hurt songs. And he is like an old, he loves old blues and folk. Mm-hmm and if you listen to the like the very first hall and oates record abandoned luncheonette there's more of that folk influence in that record and i just never knew that about him mm-hmm. and and so you know we kind of we got together and and uh and we're playing some and then he pulled in you know guthrie trap who had been playing with mm-hmm. him forever and then steve Mackey came in and 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 he just wanted to play all these. He wanted to play all these like roots. He wanted. He just wanted to play all these roots tunes. And he would. He first. It was just going to be a full on um, Mississippi John Hurt kind of tribute record. And then you know. Then we actually all of us did a trip to Arkansas and together to to do a show. And you know, he wrote this song while we were while we were all there, um, and ended up kind of kind of putting this band together which is it's kind of hard to explain we mm-hmm. we we all kind of got together and he would we would just he would call us up and say hey i want to i want to just try to cut some of these songs and and uh he's like i don't know what i would use them for but i just you know let's just let's just get in the studio and and we were it was just cool because it was a very very rootsy kind of thing and and kind of ex- doing some kind of experimental stuff and And he got, um, he had, um, Russ Paul playing some pedal steel and, and, uh, and obviously Guthrie and, and, and Tom Buckeback was in there and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and Steve Mackey and, you know, and then he just, he was just kind of like, man, there's something, there's, there's something to this. I don't know what it is, but I want to keep doing it. Mm. So he just decided to put a record out and the funny, (laughs) he probably doesn't really know this, but the funny thing was, is, you know, we did those songs and then he was talking about, you know, we should go out and play, play a few shows. And, uh, and I remember getting the set list. He gave us a set list at a rehearsal and it said GRB. And, and we were, I was like, what's, what's GRB? He's like, Oh, I, I just like the good road band. i just, I just, I just decided I just call it the good, good road band. And, and then, I mean, it wasn't, like what? Two months later, he's like, "Hey, our record's done, and and uh, I was going to send you send you out the record, and it's John Oates and the Good Road Band, yeah, and and then it's our you know our pictures are all over it, and oh my and, gosh, <laughs> and and Mackie and Guthrie and I are like, uh." Did, and he asked you if you want to be in a band, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it just, but it just happened. The process was so organic and so natural. It just, that's the way it, that's the way it, it happened. And it was a beautiful thing. And I, you know, he's um, uh, he's, he's, he is so, I, I mean, I, I cannot say um, enough great things about that guy. I, he is a dear, now a dear friend and one of the most thoughtful, uh, generous like just down to earth people I've ever met that's amazing and and his musical i mean he is his depth, his musical knowledge and history is so deep, and when we went out to do shows he it was kind of like giving the audience a music history lesson mm. so he he wanted to know he wanted to know who wrote the first pop hit, like what was the first pop hit, and so he would kind of. He, he went through like this Emmett Miller wrote the song anytime that back in the early, I don't even know, um, what, what actually, what decade it was, if it was Mm the twenties or thirties or whatever, that song sold a million copies. Oh, wow. And, and, you know, you think about that, that seems, it just seems unbelievable. And, and, uh, but so anyway, that he would, we would do a lot of those old songs and then he would throw in some of his songs for the, for the, uh, for the shows. And then we would, we would, uh, we would do some, some, um, some hollow notes songs as well. But, um, and he would tell, it's just like story, story time. And, and, uh, he would tell a lot of the backstory to the songs and, and, and kind of the history of, of m- music. And, uh, he's just, he's just a wealth of knowledge and, you know, we did play a lot of, we played, she's gone and, and, and Sarah smile and, mm-hmm. and, uh, man eater. And, you know, he tells a story about how, how he wrote the song and
1: that stuff's and so the, fun though. It's so interesting. Oh, I bet the audience loved it, it.
0: Oh yeah. And the, you know, one of the coolest things about it was, you know, we, we weren't, we're not hauling notes and he's, he's not, uh, He's not Daryl Hall. Mm-hmm. He is like he's so much of the brains and 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 a, such a huge part of that that band, of course. Yeah. Um, but people, you know, people are like play "Rich Girl," and he's like, well, you know. Again, this was also pre-COVID, where we're doing a little our our little runs as this, the solo project, and then he would go out uh, the next month and play the uh, Normo domes, you know, with Hall and Oates and, <laughs> and,
1: and <laughs> nice. final tap reference yeah. there. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he, but he would say, he, this somebody's like, yeah, play rich girl. And he's like, you know what? We're not going to play that. But you know, if you, you and 15,000 of your closest friends want to come here, uh, hear Daryl Hall sing the shit out of that song, that's, you know, like, yeah. that, that's, he'll, he'll do that. Um, but the cool thing about, about that, uh, some they're playing some of those old old hall and Oates songs like man eater he had just come back for when he, they wrote it or he, he wrote it he just come back from jamaica and was you know he tells the story of of they were out at a at a club or whatever and this girl walks in she's drop dead gorgeous and he, he was like oh my gosh and she sits down and she opens her mouth and she had to like the the most filthiest mouth on her of anybody he's ever met. And he was just like immediately he's like, whoa. And then he, he's like, I was walking home and I'm thinking, man, she would chew you up and spit you out. And uh and so and then he goes home and writes it as a reggae song. And he says that he shows it to Daryl like the next day or or you know, whatever the next time they got together. And Daryl's like, I this the tune is great, but we we should put that like could you like put the motown thing behind it uh-huh. and he you know he's like oh, I'm so glad I listened to him and uh <laughs> but the funny thing is he would always say but tonight we're gonna play it the way I heard it <laughs> so we would play it like straight reggae like you know it was it was it was really it was just really fun to to kind of play those songs in a in a different style or or um and some of them we didn't but anyway it was just it's always it's always fun, um, to, to get to, to make music with, with him and that, that crew, I, I always sit there and, and think to myself, wow, not, 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 not so much, what am I doing here? But there is those, there are those moments of sitting on stage with some of my heroes, Yeah, you know, Sam Bush was, came and did a bunch of shows together. He was on the record. He and mm-hmm. I sang on the record together and, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm sitting here singing harmony with Sam Bush. Like, I love this guy. I've Mm -hmm. learned, I've listened to him my whole life. And, and, uh, you know, and now I consider him a friend and, and, um, but it's, you know, with him and Russ Paul and, and, uh, and with Guthrie, of course, and Mackie and, and Nat Smith was playing cello and it's just a, just a killer band. And it was, you know, isn't that situation where you just had, everybody had really big ears. Everybody listened. And you could take, you could go anywhere. doesn't matter what happens. You can, the, the, the songs can go anywhere and everybody's just listening and, and you know, we'll go wherever you want to go. <laughs> That's what we would always tell, tell Oates like, Hey man, take it wherever you want it. We'll go. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know,
1: yeah, um, it sounds, I mean, just, your, your evolution of music and, and, and your career has emanated from just like these relationships and just. Or, and it seems like it's happened so organically.
0: It really, it it really has. It really has. And, and there is, there is many moments in my life that I'm like, you know, I, I know I would never say that I'm, I'm Oh, I'm such a great drummer. And I've, you know, I like there, people play, can play circles around me and I, and I respect those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, that's, I know, I know my limitations and, and, uh, But I, and I also just know that I I can only do what I do and and be who I am. And, and, uh, and I've just, I've just gotten really lucky a lot of the time. And I mean, one thing that, that happened to me that was, or that early on when I was out with, um, this is another little bit of a side story, but I think Mm -hmm. you'll appreciate this. Um, Sarah, when Sarah First went out. Um, she she went to school and, w- and was good friends with the Maroon Five guys, and and so her and you know Ryan Dusick and Adam Levine and, and 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 Mickey and all those guys were all close. And and they had started to pick up some traction and were out with John Mayer and the just like songs about Jane had just come out. And so they said, hey, as soon as we get to a place where we can have an opener, we'll bring you out with us. And uh so we toured a ton with Maroon. Oh wow. And it was and that, and all over the world and it was um it was really it was it was such a great experience. <clears throat> the craziest experience for me. And this is talking you talk about tr- being prepared and and uh and like being able to write charts. This that came in very handy for me because Maroon's drummer got hurt. And he had, he had like a torn rotator cuff and he was, he was just having some really, some bad issues with his shoulder and his elbow. And he was, he's just got to where he couldn't play the gig anymore. Wow. And well, there was, you know, there was, um, I don't remember how many shows were left on this, on this run, but they were, they had, they had Matt Flynn, to, who, was, who was, now currently still in the band. Um, he was out with Gavin DeGraw and that they had these whatever eight shows that they had to fill in. And because, and, and we were out there already. And so they, they were trying to get, I mean, they try to get quest love in try to get all these people in it, whatever. It just didn't work. And, and their tour manager's like, Hey man, uh, you think you can play the set? (laughs) And, and I'm immediately like, uh, and, and to be honest, I, I wasn't, I didn't know them that well. I didn't know yeah. the music. I, I saw the first couple of shows and realized it was good. They were playing the same show. And yeah. I would just kind of go drink beer on our cruise America RV, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> But, but, it, but the funny thing was, is that that was the very first, the very first time there. He's like, I, 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 what I told him was, he's like, can you, can you play the set? And I was like, give me a live recording yeah, and I'll, I'll see what I can do. He's like, grab your stuff and get on the bus. We're heading to Illinois. and, and I had one day wow. to learn fifteen songs. Granted, these these songs aren't like super super difficult, but that they're a band. That's a band. That's not. It wasn't. It wasn't just you know. It wasn't a pickup kind of thing. They don't sub people out. It. it it's. They had a thing, and and so I'm sitting there, you know, charting all these songs out, listening to it over and over and over and over and over, and, over. and uh, no rehearsal. And, and then, and then we get to the, we're playing, oh, what was that place called? Um, was it the Canal Club? Maybe in Urbana, Champaign-Urbana. I think it's where it was. And, and they, and Adam's like, I, I don't really want to do a check today. And I'm like, man, give me 10 minutes with the band. Is like,
1: this the, before the first time you played with them?
0: Yeah. Oh no, my gosh. no, there's, there's no rehearsal. Yeah. You know and it's just like can't, let me let me at least uh you know maybe some ins and outs here like i you know and so um so we did actually do a little sound check and you know that to me it wasn't it wasn't really it wasn't really my gig but it yeah. was a lot of fun to push myself to to learn that those tunes and yeah. i just found my charts for them the other day and wow. it's it's which is just hilarious but you know, I'm sitting there playing those are those moments of like the the pinch me moments of playing in front of you know forty thousand people in Norfolk, Virginia and starting harder to breathe and playing mm-hmm. and hearing fun. the ah, you know, and I'm like, dude, I'm just a country boy from Wilkesboro, North Carolina. Like, you know, <laughs> what am I what what's happening right now? Yeah. But it was um but you know, it 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 worked. We got through it. They actually had a a, a good time and there was there was there was a couple of parts and songs that i changed from the record because i just i don't know i just felt to do it differently and and it and and i was curious if any of that stuff would would translate over to when flynn joined the band and there's a couple of times where we were in brixton academy in london and i'm hearing this 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 part of the song is coming up and i'm like i'm wondering what he's gonna play right here because i remember adam used to always try and be like yeah man and uh and sure enough, that the part that I was, that I, that I had kind of like gravitated towards was, was there. And I'm like, there's, there's a little stamp, nice. there's no, just a little, nice. you know, just, yeah, yeah, just a little feather in the cap, but, but it was, you know, and then Matt and I became r- good friends. And I mean, he, to me, that band was great, but he took the band to a whole nother, whole other place. And he's just, I mean, he's just a monster. Yeah. Um, so it was just, you know, it was be, being able to listen to songs and be able to chart stuff out yep. and, and know like you just got just the preparation of, uh, I mean, it was like, non I didn't, I don't think I slept much. I'm just like listening and listening and listening and no time to get behind the drums to play it. I'm just, you know, lots of listening and, and looking at charts, <laughs> you know, well, just
1: having big so. ears, uh, knowing how to, yeah, like you said, knowing how to write charts, having that skill set even, you know, if you're in working with the same group of musicians, you know, or in, in a band situation, but like not, not missing out on those amazing opportunities.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was, uh, it was a life, life changing moment. It was, it was really, um, it was fun. And you know, it got us, got me cl- obviously closer with the band and, and I, I still, you know, I don't talk to, adam levine very often but every now and then we text back and forth and it's still just hilarious (laughs) that's
1: that's amazing man that's amazing what what's your son's name for adam is it is it uh so so it's sarah pancake what it be? oh yeah. yeah
0: he doesn't he doesn't have one well adam and i are not that close we're not as close as Sarah and I are i'll, be, I'll yeah be honest. yeah
1: yeah but i'm i'm just you know in just in a, in a perfect world i'm just wondering yeah, what it what that might be yeah, that, you know you know
0: what he it would have to i don't know that, that would be that, that's funny i don't know i don't know what that would be I'll figure
1: out what his favorite food or or drink is and then maybe that could yeah. be it you know yeah uh adam espresso um, i don't know
0: yeah and to to kind of follow that up the 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 transition from from sarah to jennifer was a little bit of a natural thing because i was out with sarah yeah uh, we were opening for sugarland yeah right and then and then sugarland t- took a break and jen came back um doing some solo stuff and and uh and had asked you know had asked if I was, if I was interested in the gig and, you know, my friend Travis McNabb was playing yep. with, with, uh, with them and has forever. And he's one of my favorite drummers and people. And yeah. the first thing I did when I got that call was call him mm. because I'm like, Hey man, let's this, this, just so you know, this is what's going on. And I'm, I'm just curious, you know, I just want to, make sure that I'm not stepping on anybody's toes, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and he, um, and he was like, man, you know, I think he, he had done it for a long time and, and it was time, it was time for a break. Things weren't things that they weren't all seeing eye to eye or whatever. And it was just time for a little bit of a, a breather. And, and he gave me his blessing and you know, that's, and then we, then we ended up, I mean, <laughs> he saved my butt a couple of times. Cause have I had, you know, had an appendicitis on the road and he flew out and covered, <laughs> covered oh, the gig, wow, <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> you know, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's just uh, you know, it was that, that was kind of a little bit of a, of a, of a kind of a natural progression and, and um, yeah, it was, it's crazy going from Borelis who at that point, you know, I had, I, we were, we were all, all single and it's, we're traveling 10 months out of the year. It's just mm-hmm. nonstop. There's, right. you know, and then I, always knew that I wanted to live in Nashville. At that point I'm living in Los Angeles and I wanted to get, I just wanted to get to a place that I wasn't going to lose that gig if I moved. And, and we actually got to a place, um, where, and it didn't matter where we, where we were living. Sarah's like, I don't care where you live. Like this is, it's, it, this is, it's fine. Go wherever you want. We'll still, you know, yeah. we will still be making music. And when I got the green light, that was, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm out of I'm out of L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, but it was uh, you know, and then then to go into the nettles world, which was the weekend, the Nashville way, the weekend warrior style. I was like, man, now I can get into this. <laughs>
1: right, and for people that don't yeah. know, it's like you know, bus call Thursday night midnight, and you're back Sunday afternoon yeah. or something like that. And
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's either Wednesday night, and mm-hmm. Wednesday night, and you play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you're back Sunday. Or, you know, same thing Thursday, you play Friday, Saturday and back Sunday. And it's like, uh, you know, it's, you can have the best of both worlds. And, um, and it was, I, I, I love, I love that, that style of touring. Um, it took some, it took some time to get used to it for sure. Um, but it was, uh, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a welcome, welcome change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And especially how's... now that I have, sorry, now, especially now that I have family and that sort of thing, it, it makes it much easier when did you move to Nashville? <clears throat> man I, I honestly don't remember i think it's i, I want to say it was 2008 um it might have been 2009 but i'm i'm almost i think i was here mm-hmm. in 2008 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and then i was gone most most of those that year and like a year uh yeah almost for two years i was gone mm. you know
1: uh, when I was uh, just preparing for our talk today, uh, I, I had an epiphany that I remember when I first started to dig into Sarah and see her like videos and things like that. There was a live mm-hmm. performance, and I'm almost for sure it was you. You had this ha- you had a hat on that I mm-hmm. you have seen you wear on a somewhat regular basis, and I'm like. Mm-hmm josh was the drummer he was it was like an acoustic kind of thing live performance you were on a cajon and it was Mm -hmm. one of the first times you were playing brushes on the cajon and Mm -hmm. man this was like oh man 2005 or so Mm -hmm. but i'm like he's making that thing groove it sounds good and i'm not a fan of i can't play cajon most drum set players hate the cajon but you are making it happen and
0: well, man, well, thank you. I, I, I've always, I do, I really appreciate that. And mm. I, I, I've always loved hand drumming and all, yeah. you know, I, I, it's still weird as a, as a, as a kind of a country boy, I would just sit in, in my apartment and, and the mountains of North Carolina and play conga to like Afro Cuban all stars. And, you know, like I was <laughs> always like, just trying to try, I love, I love playing conga and djembe and frame drum and cajon and, and, and then, we were going to go on a, an acoustic trio tour and, and Sarah, Sarah and the the band actually bought me the the first Cajon. And I was like, well, let's, let's, I, I wanted to try to keep it as, as compact as possible. And so I just would step on a tambourine on my left foot and use a brush and my hand and, and then you know the rest was history, and I could just put it on my back and go. Because right. we're doing so many radio shows and and all of that, all the all the radio promo stuff. You got it's got to be quick set up, and and you're in conference rooms to radio stations, and and um. So yeah, that was we toured like that for a long time. Wow. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> and how how much has you, just your study of hand drumming influenced the way you play now and hear music?
0: Man, I, I honestly, I I like, I love incorporating any type of percussion behind the kit,
4: mm-hmm.
0: like with 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 shakers and just different sounds and tambourines and you know the the goat's nails and the you know all all the different just different textures. I think it's really um, and in an ideal world, which I'm still working on, I'd love to have a set of conga. Have a set of congas in, in my set to where I could actually, you know, be able to play conga at, and kit and, and just, you know, make that work. Um, and, and over throughout the years, I've, I've played anything from a, from a, um, from a floor Tom case as my kick drum um, and, and like pack stuff in it. I try to keep everything compact. And, uh, and so I would play, I literally put a, put a, I put a microphone into the, the the floor Tom case and turn it on its side and put a soft beater on yeah. the side of it and use that as the kick drum. And, and throughout the years, I, I just kind of, I actually came up with this little percussion rig where I'm sitting on a cajon and I have like a little jingle snare that I, that I've, that I have, I've, I've done it. I did it with, uh, nettles a bunch and I've got a duo called the contenders that I, yeah. that I do that with a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's just, a, it's just a way to try to make as much noise as I possibly can and, and be able to fly with it It'd be under 50 pounds. And, and, I, I, that's, that's, that's where it is now, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> so I've done that same setup with, with, with oats and with nettles and, um, and, uh, with, yeah, with my duo. And so it's, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where I like having, I like playing, I like those sounds. I like that organic s- sound and, and, uh, or I like trying to get the more organic kind of sounds and, and realize that if I mic these drums up um, this percussion kit up, it sounds massive. Yeah. And you know, I at the, the floor time I'm using is that Stanton Moore um, Pandero, And, but I, I just, I've taped up all the jingles. And so it's just like, you know, whatever, a three inch floor tom and I put a 52 or something low underneath it and you hit that sucker. And if you're, you're in a, you know, you got a decent PA it's, it's booming. Yeah. You know, so it's, it was, it's really, it's been really fun to kind of, uh, kind of just get as creative as I can. And uh, I always say, I just try to make as much noise as I can. For at least with a duo, just like for for two people, we try to make it sound like four if we can, you know.
1: <clears throat> yeah, tell me about that. The contenders duo.
0: Yeah, contenders. It's a it's a duo with my with a, a good friend of mine who lives in uh, Vermont. His name's Jay Nash, and he was a uh, he is a solo artist. And uh, he actually called me. We we met in Los Angeles. Never did a lot of playing out there together, but. Um, when I came off the road, um, I guess, yeah, I can't, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but Jay had put out a record and, and he wanted to do, he just didn't want to go out and do these shows solo. And so, uh, he asked me to come, come play, play with him. And we went to Europe and, and then we started singing, st- singing together. And he's like, man, have you ever written songs? I'm like, I mean, not, not really. I'm not much of, I don't, I don't consider myself a, a writer, and, uh, and he kind of, he kind of pushed me in that direction. He's like, I feel like there's something here we should explore. And he's like, come up to my house and let's write some songs. And, and so we did. And next thing you know, we, we have a, a project and we've, we've, we've stayed fairly busy. It's fairly, fairly busy with it. Um, we've gone to Europe, uh, I guess four times now and, um, and just doing, you know, just doing the smaller kind of small theaters, a lot of house concerts, but small theater settings and, and, um, Yeah. It's been, it's been cool. It's been, it's been nice to be a part of an original project that I have a a lot, a lot of the writing and, and, um, you know, it's just been, this last year obviously has has put a, uh, put a hampering on, on a lot of things. And it it was, put it was setting up to be a very busy year and, and then it, uh, you know, and and then the Rona came and we're, you know, we're, we're in a holding pattern. So,
4: um,
0: but it was, it, you know, I, I, I do, I owe a lot to to Jay for helping me kind of get outside of my comfort zone and, and start writing songs and, and singing. And, you know, I've always loved to sing, but it was, it was actually just hit the, we've, we found that our voices really resonated. Um, and I've always loved harmony, bluegrass harmony, barbershop harmony, all that stuff. And, and I, uh, and so I'm just, I love singing harmony. And so, when we did that we realized oh yeah this there's something here let's 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 explore it that's awesome we put out a couple records now and and um yeah
1: and what a great skill set for a drummer that can sing i mean i i i've only ever lost out on one gig because they're like can you sing i'm like no and it's like okay well we gotta we gotta go down the list we gotta find out (laughs) just to be able to do that um would be what was such a great great skill
0: yeah, it's Le- Levon. Levon is my hero. Oh
1: my gosh, yes. <laughs> He's not everyone's hero then. I don't know. <laughs> Check yourself. I-
0: yeah exactly <laughs> um
1: man it's been such a joy uh to talk to you um uh, thanks again to mike zimmerman for connecting us and uh absolutely if, if thank you
0: so much man thanks course. for for having me i'm such a fan of, of the podcast and oh, I, i'm awesome. i'm really i'm really happy for the success and and i'm just you know i'm honored to be a part man i'm I'm glad uh, i'm glad that mike made the connection and yeah and uh i just appreciate you well, we're, Appreciate you thinking of me.
1: Yeah, well, we're all part, man. This is just, this yep. is a big community, and um, I hope—I mean, I get so much from from all this. I learn all the time. I, I hope our listeners do, too. And I just love this growing community, and uh, under normal circumstances, uh, we would be hanging out together uh, doing this in person. It's kind of That's my, right. my introverted way of, of keeping ah. my community um, intact. Uh, so, well—
0: well bless you thank you so much for doing yeah. it <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's good it's good for all of us yeah I hope um, so
1: I hope so yeah and when things well, get back to normal then we'll, we'll have to like, catch up with Mike and you know go get some coffee or you ab- know do something, abso- something absolutely man
0: absolutely it be great, It'd be great. <laughs> fantastic
1: um, or go get pancakes with Sarah how's that
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, uh, exactly. man
1: have a blessed day and thank you so you, much for your time
0: you too thanks so much man I really appreciate it
1: alright talk to you soon Josh
0: Okay, ma'am. Uh, mm, bye, bye. Bye, bye.
1: So there you go. My conversation with Josh Day. Again, thanks to Mike Zimmerman for making that connection. I think it's pretty clear that uh, Josh pulls from his education, natural talent, and history uh, as key components to his success. But a common theme in this conversation, as hopefully you'll agree, that it's people, it's relationships. And that is probably a number one in getting experience and growing your career and creating this stability that uh, is often needed in a already unstable career. But when you have real world things happening and interrupting this very fragile ecosystem that is the music industry, having relationships and investing in people will um, pay off big time so Josh thanks so much for your time and uh, your conversation stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with Luke O'Kelly Luke is a professional drummer and engineer based out of Athens, Georgia he's also the community manager for Air Gigs so we'll get some more insight on that platform for now we appreciate everyone's support listening and we we'll hope to see you around bye bye